What's up guys, welcome to today's money. Thank you for listening, I appreciate you being here. If you'd like to watch the video version of this podcast, there's a link for that in the description. And if you wanna jump right into the podcast, skip the next 30 seconds of ad space. What's up guys, welcome back. Today I've got a very special episode. We're gonna get into the Q&A, we're gonna cover all the questions you guys submitted to me on Instagram and in the comments of our previous YouTube videos. But of course, I'm gonna show you the Tesla before we do that, so come on over with me. Just a couple of things that we changed. So this is the Model Y. Originally we were gonna get a red one, but the red one got damaged on the way to, I think it was going to Orlando, we were supposed to go get it. Got damaged, so we had to substitute. But the white one, we love it, I think. Don't you, right? Way more than the red, I think. So we made the headlights a little darker, fog lights too. It was really easy, Riley and I did it. We made the T red, right? Just to make it a little bit more ASFX. I made the handles white. Riley did a really good job helping me wrap these, right? They were originally black. They matched this black, which is the sensor here and the black rims, but I like the look of the white more. We also tinted the rims. Or tinted the windows here and here. The front's also tinted. The only one we didn't tint is the back. The back on its own is really dark anyway, but here, I'll, uh, I can blur out the license plate. Don't worry about that. It's a temporary tag anyway. Red T on the back, of course. Nothing on the back lights. I'll show you the trunk really quick. So the main reason we got this car over the Model 3 was because we wanted the trunk space for the beach stuff. But it's massive, like this is some space. You've got some space down here, space on both sides, and the seats go down. So it, it's pretty dope. Of course, the rubber mats didn't come with the car, but you need those when you live in Florida. So bring them around this way, right, really quick. Let me just show you. Back seat, white, clean, super comfy. You can see our sunshade in there, as you can see. This is a real car tour. This isn't like I went and got the car detailed and tried to make it super fancy. I'm showing you this is what it's really like. So then bring them in here really quick, Ryan, just so you can see. The seats, of course, came white. We wrapped these in the red. Gotta love that to fit the theme a little bit more. And then I wrapped all this here in white. So as you can see, it's plastic. And these are the compartments on the inside. The wireless charger, you got some storage here more storage down there, but the white looks dope. So the only thing left for us to do in here is I want to get a white seat cover for this thing to match this. And I also want to get these um, strips like this to seal the door just to make it sound good and also to keep some of the, the water and the dirt out. That's all, it gets a little dirty in here, but I love this car, so I clean it all the time. That's why it looks good. So yeah, that's a little quick little tour of the car. We appreciate everybody showing love and support on us getting this. You, for those of you that have been following me for a while, you know I've wanted a Tesla for a long time. So for us to be able to comfortably afford it, it's a, a good feeling. So let's get in, we'll answer some questions about the Tesla, and then we're gonna go drive and do the Q&A. Alright guys, so now before we get into the questions, I grouped them together. First, we're going to start with the Tesla questions, but then we're going to get into the trading specific stuff. I grouped them when we talk about the trading stuff into a section about like funding companies and funding traders, prop firms, that stuff. We're also going to talk about technical analysis, a section just about the charts. Then we're going to talk for a while about the ASFX systems. Riley, you're going to join me for a couple of questions and then the lightning round at the end. So the section should help keep everything organized and hopefully you guys find some value. Let me know, drop a comment below which question you'd like me to go deeper on if there's anything you need me to clarify. Um, but hopefully I give you enough information here. So first question came up very often. This is from Valentin and like I said, a bunch of other people just explaining the deal on the Tesla. People want to know why lease, not buy, all that stuff. So basically it starts off like this. We had a lease, I had a lease and we only had one car because we both work from home. I always leased my cars. I've never owned a car because with my business, I can write the payments towards the lease off as a business expense. And that helps with profits at the end of the year. It can lower my tax bill. So we knew we were going to lease the car. We never wanted to buy it. Even though they say Teslas can be assets for the long term because of the battery life. I like changing cars too, not just the payments. I like and being able to write them off. I like getting a new car every three years. It's nice. Um, 
That's the first thing. The deal for us specifically was we gave them our lease and they actually paid off my lease to Honda, which was weird. No one really, the guys like that we worked with, remember they were like, we don't see this too often. And it's because the market right now, this is from someone that we know that sells a lot of cars. He said to us that the market is great for people like me trying to get rid of a car because the overall market needed more supply. Supply was low, demand was high, which is why they gave me a good offer. So at that point, they make us a great offer. They're willing to buy me out of the lease. Then it's just a question of how much more of my monthly payments going to go up, right? Well, because we were both going to put our names on this lease, they required a decent chunk of money down because Riley had no auto loans in her name. I only had the previous one. So they wanted a good chunk down. Plus we're self-employed. And anytime you do anything with like a big purchase, verifying your income, they want to see all these bank statements and it's never a problem. It's just more hassle than just showing a W-2. So anyway, we put a decent chunk down and that ended up keeping the monthly payments at just about, I think 90 or $95 more than what we were paying for a Honda Civic. So we pay just $90 more a month. Our insurance went up $200 every six months, so $400 a year, but just $90 a month more, and that's it. We gave the Honda in, and now we have this. Of course, it was a couple hundred bucks to pay for the upgrades that I wanted. What else? Was there anything else that I... The, the mats were a couple hundred dollars, but nothing substantial, right? Like, the cost of this deal, for the experience that this thing gives us every time we get in it, it's well worth it. Do you agree? Yeah. So, another question, this was good from Brandon, um, is gas cheaper or electric cheaper. So I actually have to go charge the car today. Show them this really quick, Ryan. So it says we're at 26%. It'll tell you here how much the total is when you go to charge it. We picked this car up in Miami and had to drive it back to Tampa where we live. We had to stop once when the battery was basically at like 5% or at zero. So when we stopped, we charged it up. I was like, I wonder how much this is gonna cost. It only cost us like 16 or $18. And that was like from zero to full. So considering that this is a pretty decent size vehicle comparative to like a crossover, right? For some other companies, you got to think it probably costs more than $16 to fill up those tanks with gasoline, depending on how much gas is where you live. Even for my Civic, that was $15. And this is much bigger than the Civic. So I think electric is cheaper. It's also better for the environment. And here's the kicker. If you use a code that I'll actually put down in the description, you can get a thousand miles free if you get a Tesla. So the guy that sold us the Tesla at the dealership, he gave me his code and we get a thousand miles free, which is dope. So that helps too. So a question from Donovan was, what's it like using the Tesla as an office? I don't, I don't think anybody should. It's nice because it's a nice car. It's cool when I can pull the charts up like this, show them right. And I can look at the charts and see the quotes and stuff. It's cool. I can pull up YouTube. It's, it's, it's cool but it's not an efficient office. The Wi-Fi is awesome. It's great that you have Wi-Fi in a car, but it's not like a trading desk. It's just so different. You're in the car to drive. You're not in the car to trade. If you're charging and you're looking at charts and you're watching a video and taking notes, that's fine. That can be your office, but not for active trading. Do that at the desk. What do you think about the Tesla stock? So I don't own any right now. I do think that it's probably going to continue to go higher in the long term. They're going to be able to produce more cars. The batteries are going to last longer. And I think Tesla, a lot of people don't think about, we didn't really talk about this either. The company doesn't just sell electric cars. They do solar power for people's houses. They're going to disrupt the energy industry. All the people that need gas and need to pay electric to the big companies that maybe are maybe not monopolies in certain industries, right? Tesla can sell you these solar panels and you can go completely on your own. So they're gonna disrupt another industry there like they did with cars. I just think that the company itself has a lot of potential. So it's hard to say that the stock won't keep going higher, but at the same time, be aware that the only reason the stock price is going higher is because the dollars that it's priced in are actually worth less. The value of the company doesn't necessarily have to match what the stock price is. And the stock price can correct 
to its true value of the company. And that's a good time to buy, which is not right now, not in the beginning of October going into this election. There'll be a better time to buy Tesla. So those are the questions about the Tesla. I think that was good. Now let's move into the trading stuff, but I think we should get on the road. All right, guys. So first section of trading related questions. We're going to talk about funding companies, prop firms. It's a hot topic. How often do we talk about this, Riley, with people in our group? Often. Like multiple times a week. We have someone asking, should I start with FTMO? How do I get started with FTMO? How do I pass the FTMO challenge? Is FTMO the right company? The first question we're going to start with is, is FTMO the best way to get started as a trader? My answer when I hear that question is going to be no, only because, and this isn't a knock to FTMO, and I don't endorse them in any way. I don't actually know anyone that's gotten paid out by them. I haven't seen it. People tell me that they have. I haven't seen it with my own eyes. So take that for what it is. But is it the best way to get started with your trading? Probably not. I like to tell people to take a three-step approach to trading, and it doesn't include FTMO. It could be your fourth or fifth step, but the three steps I always would recommend are get educated, demo trade, and then go in with live money. If you can't make money consistently on a demo account, you're not going to pass the FTMO challenge. There's no point in you even trying with FTMO. If you can't make money consistently on a demo account, it's also probably because you don't have a trading system. So to solve both of these problems and get you to FTMO, I think step one is education, whether it's with me or with another coach that can actually show you a profitable system. There aren't many of us out there, but I do wanna hope there's somebody else out there doing what we do. That's the first step for everybody. Second step would be demo trade. Learn how to actually make that system make money for you. And then if you can do that, then FTMO is a great option if they actually pay you out, which they say that they do. Then it could be a great option, especially if you don't have 50K or 100K like some of us did to, to start trading. So is it a great place to get started? No, but could it be, like I said, step four, step five for you? Absolutely. Next question, in your course, do you give a plan that you can follow to pass the FTMO challenge? No, we don't give a plan, but we do have five, maybe 10 traders in our group who are funded with them and are trading their capital using ASFX systems. So it's not like I say, hey, go do this and follow this to pass the FTMO challenge. That isn't what we do. Like I said, I don't endorse FTMO, but if you apply our systems to the FTMO challenge, Dane, one of our guys who just got funded like two weeks ago, he just texted us. He said he's up 4.7% on his funded account with them in the first week. He just got funded a couple weeks ago. So you can apply the systems that we teach to your FTMO trading, the challenge that you take with them, to the trading you do there, and you can pass the challenge. Many people have done that. So next question, would you accept money from others in exchange for a piece of the profits? A question that I've, that house is massive. A question that I've been asked often, right? Would I start a fund? Um, would I hire traders and we would all trade it together? How would I do it? Right now, it isn't on the table for me and Riley. Right now, we're building ASFX still. I think there's still more market cap for us to go grab in the education space, getting people started trading the right way. As time goes on and more and more people offer money to us to trade, eventually I think it's going to be something that happens where I take our money or a piece of our money and others, we group that together as a fund or as a private management company. I'm not exactly sure. Got to talk to some lawyers, but then we could go in and trade that for clients. But if I do it and when I do it, I'll tell you guys about it. I'll talk to you about it, but I'm never, I'm never going to be the guy that comes on here and like saying, I'm taking money from any random person. If I do that, it's going to be my money and people that I know, investors that I know. 
it's crazy because with how available money is today, if you know the right people, they'll throw it at you without even showing them a track record. I've had guys that the first time they met me without even asking to see my track record, they're willing to give us money. So in due time, I think it's going to be something that we do. But again, I don't think it's going to be for everybody. That kind of thing, if you're growing into the millions, you got to keep it small. I don't think you need to be putting your business out there like that, especially at that scale, you know, when you're going to tens and hundreds of millions. It's just not the, not that, not the same wave. So that sums it up for our funded trader section. Let's move into the next group of questions. So the next section is about technical analysis. The first question from Matt is, is it possible to have a functional trading system using only technical analysis? The easy way to answer this question is technical analysis is a piece of a trading system. Technical analysis, meaning drawing patterns on a chart and reading candlesticks and price, that alone is not a trading system. If you have risk management and you apply good risk management to a proven group or even just a proven one technical signal, then you could have a trading system. You need that risk management piece with the technical analysis to make a complete system. On their own, they aren't sufficient to give any of us a consistently profitable business. So they have to come together. Technical analysis with good risk management, a proven system on the technical side with risk management where the math makes sense. And what I mean by that, just to give you like a little bit of context, if your winning system is a, a system that's gonna win six, seven out of 10 trades, and your risk reward ratio is two to one on all those trades, you're gonna be profitable. But if you're only winning four out of 10, three out of 10, and it's still two to one, it's not gonna be profitable. So you just have to do the math and figure that out for your system, like I did for the ASFX systems. We'll get into those systems in a second. Another question, what moving averages do I use? So I don't use regular moving averages. I use exponential moving averages. I use the eight, the 21, the 50, the 200, and the 800. And people ask me all the time, why do I use five? They give you a different gauge across multiple timeframes of the trend. That's what EMAs or moving averages do. They help you read trend. They take price, they consolidate that data into a nice pretty line, and it tells us what the trend is. The reason I use multiple periods or multiple timeframes is to confirm the higher timeframe trend with the shorter timeframe trend to really put confidence in the bias, in the direction that I'm gonna be looking to trade. For example, an eight period moving average, that's only gonna give you data for the last eight candlesticks. So it's gonna change a lot, whatever time frame you're looking at, it's based on the last eight candlesticks. Versus a 50 moving average, that's gonna use the last 50 candles. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's why it's gonna move a little slower, it's using more candles, but if you use them together and they both tell you that you're in an uptrend, you could have a lot of confidence to be looking for long entries in that trend. That's how I use the moving averages on a simple way of explaining it. Another question, what do you mean by trading edge? Is it some type of robot? So I made a video about this, I'll link it above. It's titled, What is Trading with the ASFX Edge? The edge, wow, that house is beautiful. The edge isn't a robot. It's really simply put, just a proven profitable system, which is technical analysis and risk management. So a proven profitable system that you can repeat, that's unique to you, and that you know, like I said, is proven and will work over time. That's what an edge is. It's something you do really well, it's unique to you, and it's consistent enough that you can repeat it over time every day that you show up, and in the long run, it will be profitable for you. That's what a trading edge really is. So don't confuse it with some robot or something like that. It is a technical signal with good risk management that you can do and repeat over and over and over again, and it's something that you've gone and back-tested and proven profitable. If that's what you've done, you have yourself an edge. That's as simple as I like to make it. So the last question for the technical analysis section is, how do you set up reasonable weekly targets? The way that I interpreted this question is that the person means, 
how do I set up like how many pips I want to get or dollar targets. The best way to set goals for yourself when you're talking about trading isn't on a daily basis or a weekly basis. I would do it based on percentages and I would do it based on a minimum a monthly basis or a quarterly basis. Don't do anything shorter than that. Just because first and foremost, I think you'll force yourself to take trades when you just don't need to be trading. Right now, September, October, 2020, it's been slow for us. So if you set a goal of, I gotta make 10% this month, but you're not getting any trades to your system at your trading hours, what are you gonna do? You're gonna force trades and you're gonna give back money that you never needed to even be involved in. Today, I had a great trade idea, but it ended up presenting an hour before I was at the desk. So I can't be mad and force a trade and try to make my nut because I set some random goal. That doesn't make any sense. Just because like, the market doesn't care about you. The market made its move already. You can't do anything about that. So that's why I think the weekly targets, it's just gonna hold you back in that sense, right? It'll it'll force you to take bad trades, which will incur more losses and hold you back. And I also think you could look at it like, it limits your success. If you say, I only wanna make 10% a month or 10% a year, what happens when you hit that 10% in the year? You stop trading? Like, what are you gonna do? You know what I'm saying? So I think goals like that are really stupid. The best goals when you talk about weekly targets or anything, it's to follow a process that you know is a winning process. Go back to the question about the system, technical analysis and risk management. If you can find a process, a winning process there, all your goals should be, we're on a, a brick road right now, a cobblestone road. All your process should be, or your goals should be focused on your process. So it's how well am I following my system? Am I executing on my edge correctly? Not did I make 500 pips this week? The market doesn't care about those goals, but the market will reward you if you're following a good system. That's the best that I can give you on that side for the goals side of things. Don't limit yourself, don't hold yourself back. So that'll wrap it up for the technical analysis section. Let's move into the next one. So this section is about the ASFX systems. So for those of you that are already in the group, I probably will give you some nuggets here. And for those of you that aren't already in our group, taking the courses and in the chat with us, try to follow along. I'm gonna explain to you some of the language that we use to read a chart, and hopefully it'll give you some clarity. The first question, what criteria do you use when creating your watch list? So to give you again some of that ASFX language, I'm using our TDI, which is an indicator on the chart, specifically the Liquid 50, to determine the trend that I'm looking to trade that day. Once I find the direction or find a Liquid 50 that I like and it's very clean, either long or short, then I look to match up the EMAs, the exponential moving averages we talked about. I look to match that direction with the TDI. If those two things match up, then I have some pretty strong trend. Then I'm gonna look to see, do we have space on average daily range? Meaning, on an average day, is there still space for this to move if this was to be an average day? So if it's already moved 60 pips, but ADR is 120, great, there's 60 pips left to move. That's how I'll create my watch list. And if you just ask yourself a couple of questions to your system, or if you're using ASFX, you use those three questions, you're gonna narrow your list down instantly. Look for perfect liquid 50s, look for perfect EMAs. You're gonna find like three of those a day, maybe. You know what I'm saying? So when you're being picky, you'll get a slim watch list. People see me all the time, they're like, how do you trade all those pairs? I'm like, I don't. I click through them and as soon as I don't like it, I take it off and I don't look at it the rest of the day. Another question from, this is from Jack, how do you determine profit target and stop levels? So this goes into the system specifically. The A1 entry that I've talked to you guys about has a specific stop loss that's built into the way we tested it. So we found a pattern, a confirmation on price, a confirmation on EMAs and the TDI. So we're getting a lot of different data and confirming an entry, seeing a repeatable pattern. And we set a specific stop loss based on that pattern. Every time that pattern presents, if you put that stop loss there, more times than not, you're gonna be profitable. 
So that's how we determine it. It's all built into the back testing. It's never just like a random thing of like, oh, here's an entry. I don't know where I'm going to put my stop. Let's look for the next structure point and put it there. It's too simple. Like that's not how consistent trading is done. It needs to be more detailed than that. Can the ASFX system be used for other markets? Great question. Definitely. Jace, one of the coaches, he's trading it on indices and stocks. I know some of the guys using it in cryptocurrency. I know a lot of guys that just day trade stocks with the ASFX system. They don't even do Forex as much anymore. So I think because what we teach in these three signals, the A1, the D1, and the D2, because it's technical analysis, it can be applied to anything that you can draw a chart on. There's going to be nuances within the market, volatility, volume, gaps, things like that, a couple of little changes, but the technical signals themselves are going to be there. They're going to, anytime you can put a chart up, anything with candles, you can apply our system to. Commodities, gold, same thing, 100%. This is a good question. Simple. What risk reward do I recommend? So this goes back to your system and making sure that the system you're going to trade is tested and proven profitable. My system, the ASFX signals, for all of my entries, I always am looking for at least two to one. That's because the systems that we tested came out to be about 70% win rate strategies, meaning we win seven, even if you lowball it, six out of 10 trades. But as long as I'm getting two to one on those six or seven trades, we're gonna be profitable in the long run. Now, some periods of time, go back to, you remember, February, March, April, when Corona first hit, we were winning so many trades in a row. I mean, that was when I was hitting EuroCAD like day after day after day. So the market will come, it'll make it rain for you sometimes, and then it dries up. So you just have to be ready to say, hey, if there's good risk reward, these are the setups that I'm gonna take because in the long run, some months I'm gonna have 20 trades, some months I'm gonna have four. Over the long run, this system will be profitable if I'm getting that two to one. So I think every system is different, but two to one is a good place to start. I don't know who would risk one to make one, you know, unless you're gonna win all of those trades. And I'm not the kind of person that could risk six or like like risk one to make six but lose a bunch of trades and then win one and make it all back that's not the way that i like to do it either so you got to fit find what works for you but for me high win rate decent risk reward it's where i found my sweet spot so the next question is how to combine the asfx systems with a nine to five job so first you got to remember i started trading when i was still working on the weekends as a dj and doing sales for that dj job during the week so I would have to trade before I would go into the office to do the sales stuff or prep for the weekend event or whatever I had to do. So Forex is a great market for part-time traders. That's why I got into it. That's why I push it on so many people because if you're looking to just start part-time, the hours are way better than the stock market. The stock market's gonna close at 4.30 and not open until 9.30 or four o'clock, whatever it is. Of course, there's pre-market and after hours. You can definitely do that, but it doesn't move the same way as the regular market. That's the first thing. The second thing is like, with Forex, you'll start to fall into line with certain currency pairs and you'll be able to actually read the trend, stick with that trend and ride it for potentially multiple days. And that can be really beneficial to us. So not only do the hours play into it, but you're not worrying about gaps, you're trading trends. And I think that's a big thing too. So when you're part-time, get on the charts during the hours that you can get on the charts. Don't try to force everything in your life to bend around the charts. Give it the time that you can and slowly you can work your way from part-time to training bigger and bigger size after a couple of years. Notice how I don't say months, years. And then you can, if you want to, leave your job, get into other investments. What happens for a lot of people, at least that we've worked with, is they end up making money trading and as their trading does better and they're trading more money, then what ends up happening is they start diversifying their investments and they actually have some investments that are making them money too. So some people think that they wanna quit their job and they're gonna just trade full time, but by the time they get to that point, they have so many other investments that 
trading could be their full-time income, but they also have rental properties or they also have stocks that are paying dividends or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? So as you grow, your plan is definitely going to change. It did for us, but for nine to fivers, start with the hours that you can get on the chart, start to find patterns, start to find those trends. It's going to be much easier than trading stocks in my opinion, especially if you can't be there during the stock market open hours. Does ASFX work on the higher timeframes for swing trades? Yes. So again, going back to what I said, I think a couple questions ago, it's technical analysis. So you can apply it to any time frame, and you can use the same rules, especially in Forex, on the one hour that you would on the 15 minute, at least for our systems. It might not be that way for other people. I'm not going to speak on that. But for us, I know guys that only trade the one hour and the four hour using the A1, the D1, and the D2 entry. It's all fractal. So if you're using the 15 and the one minute, you can use the four hour and the one hour. Make sense? Can anyone become consistent in four months? Don't love this question because it's tough. If you have some trading experience and then you come into ASFX and you are focused and you're working really hard, I do think you could become consistent in your first four months. Like those first four months, you might not give back any money. You might get sharp and you might not be trading every day like you used to be, but you're winning more, trading less, losing less, right? So I would say that for sure. But if you're brand new, and you've never traded Forex before, I wouldn't expect to come in in your first year and do anything consistent. In the first year, you're gonna, especially if you're not full-time, which most people aren't because they have another job, family and stuff, you're gonna make mistakes. Your first year is your learning curve. Honestly, your first three years are your learning curve. If you can last five years, you'll probably make money in this business. That's just like the number that I like to go off of. So keep that in mind. The first couple of years, no matter what, even if I really sit with you and teach you the three systems that are making me money, it's still going to take you some time to get used to trading it and to trade it consistently well. So the last question about the ASFX systems. That's a good one. How do you maintain composure on a win streak? For me, the answer is the same whether I'm maintaining composure on a win streak, a losing streak, or a no trade streak. I think you have to stay consistent in your routine which means sleeping well, eating well, taking care of your body, working out, right? But also doing your, for us, it's daily markups. Sorry, didn't mean to whack the microphone. It's doing daily markups, which is going over the day, seeing where the trade idea is presented, A1, D1, D2, and keeping markups, active data of photos of the trades that are presenting, whether you took them or not, all the ideas, A, B, and C. Doing that will keep you sharp, whether you're on a win streak and you're crushing it, or if you haven't traded in a while and you're just waiting for that next one good trade. So win streak, losing streak, no trade streak, to keep composure, it's find a routine that keeps you on point, that makes you operate efficiently and stay on that routine. Don't get cocky. I've done it, everybody does it, but then you learn. So instead of getting cocky, just get focused and pay attention. What are you doing well? What are the best trades that you've had? What can you do to get bigger in those? What can you do to identify more opportunities like those? Those are good questions when you're trying to keep that win streak going. So now that we've gone through the ASFX questions, I think it's time to bring Riley in. All right, guys. So next section, we're bringing the boss in. First question, does Riley trade? This is from Jack Murphy. No. Why? Do you want me to elaborate? Yes. <laughs> okay, so I don't currently trade. I do understand everything trading related. We just haven't felt necessary to have two separate trading accounts it doesn't really make sense and i trust austin um with the trading account like we talk about any trades yeah, that I he sh- takes i share all my trades yeah. so it's like our money in the trading account it's what i was growing before i met riley and then we've been growing it together now with asfx putting more money yeah. into it and 
So I, I've been thinking recently about starting to trade, but I don't know. I'm kind of just going through this weird transition phase where I'm finding like other things outside of trading that I'm into as well. So it's not where my focus is at right now, but maybe in the future. Next question. This is from Grilled Cheese Bacon Egg. <laughs> you mentioned mushrooms a few times. Do you uh, do you microdose? Does it help? No, we don't microdose. Um, yeah, I don't really know how to elaborate on that because we don't. I've, I've wanted to try to microdose. But, we just haven't. But we just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. So when we do, you guys will know about it for sure. Next question. What's the hardest thing you do, you had to overcome when starting ASFX from Ricardo? You want to go first? I'll tell you. For me, the hardest thing was breaking free from like the mold that I had been in with the previous job when I was trading with the company in New York, breaking free from everything that they had going on and then rediscovering ourselves and being our truest self and building that brand and growing to meet you guys. That was the most difficult part. But once you realize that you're acting a certain way because of what you were told before and that you don't have to follow those rules anymore, then you can break free and it, 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 it's enlightening. Yeah. I would say for me, it was getting over the feeling of thinking that sometimes I wasn't doing enough because our tasks were so different when starting ASFX. And obviously, like with Austin being the one that makes the majority of the trading videos and stuff and me doing the behind the scenes work, sometimes I just felt like I could have been bringing more to the table. So we would have conversations about that. But I feel like I've gotten over that pretty, pretty easily. I feel like you've gotten over that, too, because we speak about it often. Yeah communicate about it and then divide the responsibilities more clearly too that always gets better that yeah. was a big thing well, at first it also, yeah and it came too because I'm somebody that was a workaholic before like if I had a free moment I would work I was the crazy kid that had two jobs in high school just but because. so was I I was so, working on the weekends doing three parties so because of me having worked all the time that also was kind of why I felt like maybe in some areas I wasn't doing enough because I wasn't used to sometimes not having as much to do but then I remembered I was like but wait a minute like this is what I've always wanted I've never wanted to work my life away so it was just kind of like accepting the new reality that ASFX brought us this is a good one for you how do you control your emotions when trading because you've worked with a lot of traders that have yeah. this problem. You've helped me with it. Yeah. So you can answer first. So first and foremost, I don't like the word control because you're not controlling your emotions at all. What you're actually controlling, if we want to use that word, is your reaction, your response to those emotions. So I would say that how to control them is really just becoming aware of them and aware of yourself. Like, what are your own triggers? What causes you to be anxious? What causes you to overtrade? Become super aware of that. And then you can notice when these feelings and when these thoughts are arising and you can choose to show up and react differently and kind of put these things to the wayside and ignore them and realize that they are just thoughts and emotions and that you're actually separate from that. And you can choose how to react in your trading. Like, you're the one clicking the button, not your emotions. If you can visualize that and kind of separate it, then I can help you. Awareness. Yeah. That's the answer. You have to just be self-aware. Yeah. Watch some Gary V. Meditate. Drink some tea. Is Gary V really an awareness guy? Gary Vee's all about self-awareness. He's like, I have a high IQ or high EQ, like an emotional intelligence, no. not a high I IQ. I don't watch him that much. I, I, I listen to him and... Don't I used to, to watch him. him all the time. I like, listen Gary. to him when he says, don't listen to me. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> right, I haven't listened to him in a while because I, li I listen to him. <laughs> um, how do you detach from money so you don't emotionally close trades early? 
I, I got like, I got a good one. Yeah, this is real. I'm gonna let him answer this one because me as a person is not attached to money at all right. ever about anything. She wouldn't so even get I, into trading for the money. She would only get into trading like especially now because <laughs> of the mental stimulation that it can yeah. give her. So like that's what and I'm in for it. I'm, I'm in tr- to trading because of the mental stimulation. I'm too. not money driven, so but you I can would, answer. I got into it for the money. So I feel like how do you detach from the money so you don't emotionally you're never gonna detach from the money so that helps you stay in trades longer. You have to close your trading terminal so you don't watch the P and L. That's a big thing. Don't watch the money moving while you're in the trade, right? turn it to pips, just count pips, and really don't even look at it. Once you decide you're taking a trade, you should be setting a stop loss, setting a take profit, and managing it, so checking it, but not staring at it. So if you're not staring at it, you shouldn't be closing the trade early and getting out early. But if you're watching it and you're making appropriate risk management decisions and your system has a way for you to get out early when it's not working, that's fine. But if you're getting out early because you feel attached to the emotions and the money, close the terminal so you're not looking at the money, but I would also guess you're probably trading a little too big or you're not confident enough in your system to just leave it be. It's probably one of those two. So most of you guys are they probably... They should go watch the money switch video. Definitely should watch. It's old. The percent switch or the money switch the money, is what Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Whatever. You guys will find it. It's old. It's on the channel, but you should definitely check it out. That'll give you a good grasp for what we're talking about where you're not... Because fo- to you right now, to a lot of people watching, I feel like $5,000 would be a really awesome amount of money if i just handed you five grand most people would be like this is dope right yeah. this is like i mean i still would be like yo that's dope this is like more than a lot of people making a month well as a trader if you start making five thousand dollars a day which hopefully a lot of you will once you reach that goal then the ten thousand a day is going to seem like a, a, a too big of a task for, you're going to set these limiting beliefs like i was talking about earlier you know what i mean mm-hmm. by focusing on the money so much rather than focusing just on the percent gain that you're growing your account because if you can grow a thousand dollar account by 25 percent a year for five years you're going to get somebody to give you a big chunk of money for sure yeah. so the amount of money you're trading shouldn't distract you from good trading money is just the points on the board have you ever gambled before and did that impact your risk management in trading? <laughs> so we went wait, to the casino a couple wait, of weeks ago. Wait, wait, wait. Let me tell you my first experience gambling. I went to a casino for my 21st birthday, but it was only because of a band that was playing there that a family member was in. So the next morning we're leaving the casino. Mind you, I didn't gamble at all the night before. I was strictly watching the band. So in the morning I was like, I want to do something gambling before I leave to say that I gambled. So I played I think it was penny slots I don't even know to be honest with you and I had no idea what I was doing I thought it was like a machine where you put in like your your tokens and like then the game ends and tells you how much you win like I didn't even realize you had to cash out so yeah no I'm not a gambler I like gambling I I like playing blackjack only like I like strategy stuff the slot stuff is is just literally gambling you might as well burn that money you'll get more enjoyment out of watching the money burn on fire i think i put five dollars in or something i'd assume so so we actually went to the casino a couple of weeks ago like months ago maybe and we were gambling and it's funny because when you're gambling you're trying to apply risk management to the gambling and maybe some guys that are professionals understand how to do that but us as amateurs it's much different applying risk management in gambling than it is in trading i can't Maybe I'm just not smart enough when it comes to blackjack. I can't grade the cards. I can't count the cards. I don't know how to do that. But when I'm trading, I can grade a trade setup. Some trades are worth more risk than others. In blackjack, it's a lot harder to do that. So the way that I adjust risk is based on the risk-reward opportunity that I'm seeing. If it's a really high probable risk-reward setup in any area of my life, gambling, trading, whatever, if it's a high probability setup, I'm more likely to put more weight into my decision in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
versus if it's something that's low probability. And something you also do when you're playing blackjack, like whenever you win, I put money aside. Yeah, like you'll give take profits. Like Got a bag. In your pocket. Just like with our trades, when it moves up one R, take some profit. Move up two R, take some profit. I'm the same way with tra- with gambling, and that's why. Literally, the only time I lost money was the time we went. Every other time no one, I've been there, yeah. yeah, I've made money games. You're like, come on, I'm here to play. I want to play. Right, yeah, but at that point, I was just I sat down with I think with a couple hundred dollars and just was like whatever for the free drinks. Yeah. So that's the it. Free water. The free water. Yeah, because we don't even drink. That's the uh, the section with Riley. You want to do the lightning round with me? Let's bang through them. It's never. It's not questions for me. No, they're more for me. Yeah. So let's get to the lightning round. All right, guys. Last section of questions. These are kind of all over the place, but I still think the answers bring you guys value. The car is an autopilot. We don't have the full self-driving because it's a lease. I didn't think it was worth the eight grand where it makes the turns at the stoplights and everything. But on the highway, this thing still drives itself. As long as I touch it every once in a while, I can change the speed. It's pretty dope. It's helpful, especially when like when we were driving back from Miami. It was nice. All right, lightning round. You ready? Try not to be too long-winded like I was yesterday. Did you quit university to trade? Yes, I dropped out of college before senior year. I got really sick about a year before that, and then I decided, look, I wanna make trading work, or I can always go back to school, and I ended up making it work. Second question, do you trade Bitcoin or not? I don't trade it, I was buying it, holding it, and then I recently, earlier this month, actually, I should say, it was like late September, early October, I got rid of all of it, just because of the technical analysis on the daily chart. And I don't think Bitcoin is gonna be the first mover. When we talk about crypto, I can just see the Fed stepping in and doing something where they have their own digital coin. They don't want Bitcoin just because they can't regulate Bitcoin. They're gonna do something else. So the the everyday adoption of crypto, I don't think will be through Bitcoin. Next question, do you like sports, football in question? Yes, I do, Mike. I actually just watched football last week for the first time, which was good. It's nice to see them playing. It sucks that there's nobody in the stands. Favorite pairs to trade. Right now, I like Euro pairs and GBP pairs. That's where the focus is, just because I think, see like, look, the car slows down when there's people in front of me, it's dope. Um, Just because I think Euro and GBP pairs have the most volume and they're the most volatile. That's where we're seeing the biggest ADR and that's where you're gonna find easy in and out of those trades with no problem, long or short, it's gonna be easy. Are you experimenting with options? No, I haven't done anything with options yet. I'm trying to decide with like the next phase of my career, am I gonna focus on options or futures? But I think one of them is gonna be the winner. I'm just not sure which one yet. When are we coming to the UK? Hopefully soon. You guys remember I was supposed to be with Jason Greystone and Mike Bellafiore last April. God, it seems like forever ago. April back uh, in Amsterdam, but now they moved it to April of 2021. So hopefully we'll be there for that. So you should be there if you can. But once we can get that going, honestly, right, don't you agree if we go to Amsterdam and it's fine and we travel fine and I don't have to take a test and it's good to go, then after that, I feel like we can look to plan the UK event, right? Yeah. Once we know that it's good to travel. So that's really what we're waiting for. Favorite website for fundamental news, forexfactory.com. It's definitely the easiest one to follow. It gives you everything that you need as far as like the most important news. It's easy. No endorsement there. You're welcome, Forex Factory. Um, what broker do you use? Another endorsement, but I don't get paid for this. Awanda, they're awesome, reputable, no issues withdrawal, no issues with deposits, super easy. Last question, this is good. Is it possible to start trading with $20 or $50 and grow that trading account to 10K? Riley said to me yesterday when she read this, she was like, this needs its own video. And it does, and I think we're gonna make it, maybe we'll do it in Colorado since it was your kind of, your idea, right? But. The idea of taking even $100 or tw- like $20 and flipping it to 10K, it's it's just 
ludicrous because what you're thinking of doing there is using high leverage, taking a risk that you're gonna pick the winning trade and that consistently using that high leverage, you're gonna win what, nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 trades, not give back big losses and flip that account. I've never seen anyone take a $100 account to 10K, $20 account to 10K, even $1,000 to 10K, just because the broker that you're doing that with is unregulated. So for everybody that's ever thought about that, should I put a thousand into Forex and should I focus on flipping that thousand into 5,000 as quick as I can? No, you should be putting the money with a regulated broker. And I'm only telling you this because I did what you want to do. I spent thousands, tens of thousands of dollars when I first started in my first year and a half. Some of you guys know this, on Trader's Way, just trying to flip small accounts, a $100 account, a $500 account, a $1,000, using the one to 1,000, one to 500, one to 100 leverage, and it would just burn me. Now I use one to 20, and I think everybody should be focused on going about it the path that I did a year and a half into it, which is I finally stopped funding those companies, I put the money with a broker that's regulated, and that's been successful for me so far. So. I hope that the Q&A was valuable. I hope that we covered everything you guys were looking for. Do me a favor, if you watched all the way through, comment below, Riley, what's the secret word for the day? Pancakes. Comment pancakes below if you watched all the way through. We appreciate you guys very much. And if there's any questions you need me to elaborate on further, I'm here for you guys, so just reach out. Thank you, as always, and I'll see you guys in the next video. Thank you for listening to Today's Money. If you wanna check out the video that goes along with this episode, there's a link in the show notes. Now make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to so you don't miss any future episodes. And if there's anything that I can do to help you along your trading journey, please reach out to me. My contact info is in the description as well. Thank you very much and I'll see you in the next episode.